0: Uh, in my second online discussion, organizing for change, organizing for change from social movements to democratic reforms, and I'm very happy to have you all today on my uh, panel. Uh, uh, Christine from from Taiwan and uh, Annabelle from uh, Venezuela. We will also be having um, Erin from the US. Who's not joining us? But we hopefully, hopefully, we we look forward to her uh, participation. So today, um, we we really want to just focus on how social move social movements have been able to translate their objectives into uh, democratic reforms. And you all have very very deep, uh, profound experiences in your countries. And uh, myself, I would be sharing my perspectives from Cameroon, and. Uh, yeah, so we hope to be able to get from this discussion how your experiences were, what challenges you faced, what um, what was the impact that your action actually created, and uh, what lessons we could be able to learn from your experiences. Um, so I would just give you like two minutes each to introduce yourselves to our audience who are watching us now, um, and so we could get to know you. So let's begin with uh, Annabelle.
1: Hi, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, we can hear you.
1: OK, uh, perfect, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, uh, I am Annabelle from Venezuela, <laughs> but right now I am outside of Venezuela. Um, I have been working with you. Yeah? Social movement, uh, I start with a student movement uh, and then with uh, different organizations. Uh, yeah, mobilizing people, mostly youth people, uh, for a cause. Uh, and we're still, uh, still working there. Unfortunately, I cannot say that we reach a uh good democracy, <laughs> a good democratic uh, system there, but we're still fighting. Um, and I think crea- creativity and yeah, social media channels have been really important for us in this process. Uh, on this, uh, yeah, on all this work, one of the maybe most iconic uh, movement or you know uh, campaign with I did and I organized. With my team in Venezuela, uh, was called SOS Venezuela. We did it in those of 14, and was a, a huge a protest or yeah, manifestation uh, in the world. We write like wow, 160 cities around the world to do um, you know, on a specific action one day uh, for Venezuela. So. And there, also the social media and the creativity, and, you know, mobilizing people and youth people. What was were some keys there? So this is where I am. I am journalist by profession, but for years dedicated to you know movement, social and political uh, communication and for and production of many like activities for movement.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you so much, um, Annabelle. Thank you very much for your introduction. And I just want to uh, signal that Erin has joined us. Erin, you're welcome. So, um, let's, let's. we're going to come to you. Let me go uh, to Christine from Taiwan to be able to have her, her to introduce herself.
2: Hi. Oh, can you hear me now?
0: Yes, we can hear you.
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you for all your um, introduction invitation to me so let me share about some experiences in Taiwan especially on social movements and especially the movements I've participated in like student movement, environment movement, all kinds. So um, I'm Christine to Taiwan and i working at the World movement for university for two months uh, last summer and now I'm back to Taiwan and have participated in a campaign Uh, especially campaign for Congress last year. And now I really see the link between the social movement and the political participation in Taiwan now because many members in Taiwan who run for Congress or run for all kinds of campaign actually have a background, especially for young, uh, young, young candidates who have some background in the social movements before. So I really see the link between the social movement and the political participation in Taiwan, and myself is special, especially participated in some community community social movements, like I will introduce later, like the Lushan community community social movement who lasted about fifteen years in Taiwan, and so on, and also the Sunflower movement happened in two years before in Taiwan. Also, in comparison with the Umbrella. Evolu- uh, revolution in Hong Kong, so maybe I can we can do this kind of comparison between different countries later. So okay. thank you all your participation.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Christine. Uh now welcome Erin. We are so so very happy to have you on this panel. Um, I know you you really have a, a long biography, <laughs> a long long bio on on what you've been doing on social movements, So um, I really just want you to to get that um, summarize in just two minutes, we know you'll be talking about that during uh, your interventions. um, Just let us know uh, who you are.
3: No problem. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Erin Mazursky. I'm the founder and executive director of RISE, which is a global platform that helps movements build active and sustained participation in their work through better access to the really foundational and proven strategies and skills um, that have made other movements around the world very successful. Um, I come to this work after having worked with something like 28 movements in many different countries around the world, I think two dozen countries around the world, and really seeing common questions and common struggles around what activists are really facing and largely youth activists are facing in terms of how to do this work most effectively. Um, and where I think people get um, stuck most of the time is after having built some momentum, continuing to build that momentum and activated participation with the recognition that movements take very long time, a very long time to be successful, and they are long-term struggles, and so we really help give... Um, catalysts who are leading movements, the tools to be able to lead those struggles over the long term and understand how others have been successful doing it.
0: Oh, okay. Thank you so much. Uh, so let me just follow right away with my first question to you. Um, so it's about building social movements. So what does it take to start a social movement?
3: Um, is that That's for me? Yeah,
0: that's for you, actually.
3: Um, well... You know, I am humbled to be joined by um, two other really incredible um, activists. I've heard of their work and know that they're, you know, they're really doing this work in um, in creative and incredible ways. The first thing that you really need for to start a movement is it's a few things. It's vision, it's passion, and it's commitment. Um, and so those are really three intrinsic things that, we see with the catalysts that we work with who are really leading and helping to spark movements but one thing I want to really be clear about is that movements are never sparked by one person or even one organization movements are usually um, something that comes together after a lot of time um, of people talking and starting to, to build new language and courage within those relationships and conversations um, to actually start taking action. And so um, Rise never works with people who just come to us and say, I want to start a movement or a group of people who are like, we're trying to start a movement. Um, We only tend to work with people who have already done something and taken action because that is really to us the first test of if you're really committed, if you're really passionate, and if you're really willing to take the risk and, and be courageous and whatever issue it may be. Um, and whether you're facing incredible repression or just social ostracization, you know, it takes courage to really stand up and say something different um, and say that the world can be differently. So that's really what we look for first. Um, so when people say, what does it take to start a movement, it really comes from those individuals. and then what we've seen once you've taken that action and you've shown that passion and that commitment and that vision what we do is we bring a framework to um, the work and we help people see um, really the three core pillars of what makes movement successful. One is helping to build a long-term movement identity and strategy, so recognizing that a movement Um, will be something that takes five, ten years, you know, um, helping people really shape that into an identity that people who want to join the movement can really share. Um, So what are your common values? What is your overall narrative about what it is you want to do? What are your core strategies for this year, but then for next year and the year after? Um, What are the phases and how do you really need to think about society on whole in order to change power and change structures within Those powers. And so um, some people need to change culture and perception first. Some people really focus on policy first. Um, Some people focus on leadership change. So it's really, that's really dependent on the culture and the context. Um, But we help them ask those questions. Um, The second after movement identity is. Um, leadership and community organizing, and that's really where we help people really think about themselves as leaders. But leaders um, in leaders who are there for service and to enable others, and not charismatic leaders who can make good speeches. Um, so it's really about leadership that enables other leadership and helps other people find their voice and their place in. Movement and in the movement and in social justice, and then the third and and that's really where you're able to think about how are you constantly recruiting more people and creating opportunities for more people to participate in your work. If you're not constantly thinking about, do I need to be doing this or is this something that I can help train someone else to do? Um, Who's a really great social media person? Who's a really great computer programmer? Who's really great at training, who's really great at journalism and really thinking about the resources you have um, with the people all around you and how you can really bring those resources together into something coherent and participatory um, that can be shared and owned by many people. And then the third piece um, is what we call strategic action, and that's more short-term actions and campaigns that you oftentimes see. Um, and helping people make sure that they're grounding that action in what we call a theory of change so that work become the, the movement work becomes less reactive and more proactive. So they understand how to leverage certain opportunities that come up so that they can create opportunities in, in the future um, and really use those short-term actions to both recruit people and gain progress more incrementally but in service of that broader vision and identity of what they want to accomplish so it's movement identity community organizing and strategic action that um, that we then help ground people's work into.
0: Okay, Uh, thank you so much for that um, really, really substantive perspective. Now let me ask uh, Annabelle you you led the SOS Venezuela movement. Um, I mean, what uh, what Erin has explained is sort of a, a very strategic. Um, pre- I mean, preconditions that have to exist before you have a very solid uh, movement. Um, I just want to know how your experience was with SOS Venezuela. Did you have to go through all of the stages? Because, by the way, it was a very, very successful, um, highly mobilized uh, campaign. So, what was what was it like for you to start SOS Venezuela?
1: Uh, yes. Um, well, as uh, as Erin was uh, was saying, uh, of course, the movement required like an yeah wave. I say a wave. Like you need a momentum when you you know when you have. Yeah, that perfect time to yeah to go and do and um, do something. So uh, I think for us was uh, important the organization we had we have is a, call it a world without censorship in Spanish is mundo sin mordaza. Um, since 2009 we, we we have been working with this organization. Um, yeah, doing a really hard work with youth people and. Even we are connected with politics, not working any time with uh, political parties. And I thought I told that for Venezuela was important because, in that way, we work with everybody, you know, not with just one sector, and that allow us to, to be close with different, you know, actors in politics, in democracy, in in, in social movement, and also with uh, civil society. So uh, in that moment we we decided to do something because the situation in Venezuela was really critical and it's still being right now we are we have a really bad situation uh, and as as we have uh, people working with the organization you know in different countries Venezuelan people mostly that had you know left the country and are living in different cities around the world we just decided to you know contact them and mobilize them to do something. Uh but also we were in that time we through social media, we reach like I don't know 500 people that we because we activate an ad in, in Facebook um, saying hey, let's do an activity, you know let's do something to let the world know about the situation that is happening in Venezuela. So you can be part of this. You can be active. You, we need you. You know, like contact us. So we left an email, and people start contacting us. Like, hey, I saw you. You know, your ad, your post. I, want to, I want to be part of it. What should I do? So in that way, we, we create that like kind of movement that we we you know. You know, we we used to do the activity. We asked them to uh, create a human SOS in the floor. So we ask the people in each city in the country and we reach and um, for the first time one hundred and fifty cities around the world. Uh, in, in groups, you know, they create the SOS, uh, the human SOS and they send out pictures, videos about the activities and in that in that way, we use all the information also to reach the media and to reach also, you know, different uh, authorities from different countries to ask them support, to ask them, you know, to be aware about the situation, Um, was, yeah, was a a wonderful team, Uh, we use a a small team we have in Venezuela, we were just like six people (laughs) working really, you know, focused on that, Um, And I think the the situation—I mean, the critical situation we had was a key, and also, you know, as I told you, the yeah, the organization we had was also a key. Maybe if we didn't have the organization, I know if people didn't know about us, didn't know about our work and about our constant, yeah, constantly work, they didn't, you know, call back to say, "Hey, I want to participate." I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and also the people we had in different cities you know they was a, that, that was a motivation to okay let's do something let's activate because because we need it you know for for the country um and social media definitely because everything I mean we had some people in some cities but some cities I didn't I didn't know we, we had venezuelan people there and they, from Dubai, for example, like, hey, I want to do something, like, okay, I didn't know we had you know, people there. Yeah. It was, was just through social media. Yeah. Otherwise, we didn't know. So, I think that's kind of some keys about it. Um, yeah, Yeah. Um, we, we had, sorry, <laughs> we had in that time, like, five activities. That This one was, like, the main one when we read the database of all these people in the world, and then we call them to do like three or four activities more related to the situation in that moment, um, yeah so and we're, still, we're still in contact with some of them and trying to do something but I think in, that is why Erin was talking about the momentum Yeah. we have it now and also internationally with the situation in the country it's, it's kind of weird because the violation of human rights still being there the situation is worse than ever, but I don't know. It's different, you know. The momentum is is totally different.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I'll be coming back to you just to hear um, uh, more about that perspective. Now, um, Christine they have they've, they've mentioned something that I think I wanted to hear how it plays out in, in Taiwan you know it's about uh, leadership is about the political opportunities to be able to build the social movements it's also about the resources um, that are needed to be able to drive the movements forward in order to you know get them sustainable so what is your experience like in terms of the resources that you have to be able to drive this movement, and what are the sort of political opportunities that you have in Taiwan to be able to uh, build these movements around? What's your experience so far been like?
2: So, actually, there's a long history between the social movement and political participation in Taiwan. Because I think in 30 years before, there's a huge movement called Well Wa movement, which is also, my boss had participate in, and also leader of that movement. That movement actually have created lots of young political 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 elites. Actually, now become the leader, the leading party of DPP in Taiwan, which also is also the president. The president's tie belong to DPP party as well. So actually, between political parties and social movement, there has a strong linkage. Actually, in 30 years ago. And at at that time, it's time between the authoritarian government, they are transforming into a democratic government era. So that's an era of how young people they try to change the society, change the world, and actually become politicians after years ago. But after 30 years back, after 30 years right now, actually, we also have a sunflower movement, which is quite similar calls compared to the, the movement movement we used before. We also call for democratic change, especially in Congress. So you can see many people who participate in this movement. They now actually after the movement ends, they call for a change still. But they call for change in a political era, in a political realm. So they participate in different kinds of Congress campaigns or even presidential campaigns after the one year and after the movement end in one year. So the movement ended in two thousand and fourteen, and we have a congressional a congressional election and also a presidential election in two thousand sixteen, which is one year after one year two year after the movement. So you can see the change between how the young people as a human resources they change, they devote they devo- themselves in different era to seeking different po- maybe political opportunities or opportunities to change the society and also change the political realm in different areas. But I'll, let me go back to the, the very first step of a movement is actually you don't have any resources in the beginning of every movement because every move, social movement begins in the most looked down area, begin in the most looked down places. Yep. Many people who are Suffering for stigma, suffering for lacking resources, that maybe lacking from the um the the just um policies between the government or the, the, the country. So actually, the one of the social movement I participate in is the Lotion uh, community social movement. And actually, it's the hospital, living all the uh, patients who suffer from the leprosy and in, in the era before, they are highly ignored by the government. They don't have a good treatment by the hospital or from the community. And people see seeing them as monsters because they suffer from the disease and they're injured by their hands their their bodies. So um, the student gov- uh, student organization try to get into the community and try to have some, some connection with the patient and the local people there. And we try to use our tools, like online tools, like Facebook, like Annabelle just talked about before, like Facebook, like bloggers. And we use all kinds of resources we can use. Like we write we write down the stories of the patients and try to post them on our own bloggers. And try to, seeking for some maybe friends in, who works in the media, like try to report all these kind of stories. And we try to pull this theory on the spotlight to let more people know about all these kind of stories and try to reach out our resources to more people. And it's kind of my like experience to transform those local, the power of local communities into a more, a larger scale of the mainstream and try to transform it to a political power. There.
0: OK, so this, this this is really a, a very, um, um, clear uh, perspective on how it's important not just to be able to um, point out the issues but you know to get these issues right up to uh, those who can do something about about them in your movements and I think your your experience really reveals that. Um, let me go back to um, Erin actually um, I read through your, your your bio and I saw that you you were taking a lead in um, Uh, the 2008 presidential elections and actually organizing the Obama campaign Um, and uh, actually it succeeded because he was elected. Uh, So I I want to ask uh, about the impact. How do you assess the impact of social movements? You know, it's really fluid because at some point you can't really be able to attribute um, easily, you know, the actions that... The changes that have called to your specific actions, because you know there are a couple of things that are incidental to your to your movements and so on. So, but your campaign in two thousand eight was a very clear. I mean, there's a clear correlation between your action and you know the result. So, but that is not often the case with social movements. How do you um, how do you assess the impact? How, or maybe just using one example from your, your the networks that you've worked with in around the world. So how how have you been able to assess the the, the impact that they've made um, through through their work?
3: Yeah, absolutely, it's a great question. Um, well, for the two thousand eight Obama campaign when he first got elected, it was really an incredible moment for um, the U.S. People were really sick of. Um, the leadership that they had had for the last eight years, and people were really had two two options. They could be really cynical and disillusioned, or they could be hopeful and really take um, take initiative to shape their future. And Obama really in uh, really offered those opportunities, both in terms of the ways that he spoke about people the change that they believe in, and um, but also in the organization of his campaign and the way that he um, structured it. And that to me was one of the most inspiring pieces of the campaign and why I decided to join was because he was using community organizing, which is something that I had been doing for years before that, um, as a method of um, getting elected. And to me that was important on a number of different levels. Um, Democratic societies, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a democracy, but it's democratic societies, are really based on people being able to work together at the local level to create change. And um, he basically created that opportunity for thousands of people across the country. Um, And so to me, obviously I was just one one person in um, a very large organization of, um, of that campaign but I was organizing in, a, um, in, a, in Florida in an area where it was very middle-class um, people who you know both parents had jobs they were all worried about job security and health care um, and but nobody knew each other people didn't know their neighbors people would walk into the campaign office where I was based and say I'm the only Obama supporter in my entire neighborhood and we had a database and we could look it up and say actually no you're not and there it's actually 50-50 and um, your neighbor is actually sitting at the end of this table helping to volunteer with the campaign and so so much of the work that I did through that campaign was actually just helping neighbors get to know each other and helping neighbors get to understand that they had common values and common um, visions for what they wanted for their futures and what they wanted for their children and beyond that then we helped give them the tools to have agency and voice um, and to really um, understand what are the tools and the skills that that we have as people to um, be able to work for change together and so to me the marker of success was yes that, that we won that campaign but actually um, in terms of movements the marker of success is that that group of people that I was able to help bring together um, are actually still working together they still talk to each other they're, they're working on other campaigns now they're talking about other issues in their community and I've been gone from that community for eight years now and um, they're still doing that. And so to me, that's really what you want to see. And that's possible in any society, in any community that you live in, is to just get people working together and talking to each other um, to create change, whether that's at the local or the national level. And so when I work with now movements all over the world, that's really what I'm also hoping to help people accomplish is if you take nothing else out of this training, it's keep working together. It's keep talking to each other. Um, Keep trying to develop strategies. And some of them may be successful, and some of them actually may fail. Um, They probably will fail. But little by little, if you continue to bring more people into the process and help build community around that, you're going to win. Because just the process of making those relationships and forming commitment to each other about the change you want to create. Is um, what ultimately makes movements successful in the long term, even if you have short-term setbacks, and it's kind of what um, Sue is saying around what what she's been doing in Taiwan.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Annabelle, there is there is. Um as as Erin spoke, I have this um, this this thought. I mean, she's working. She's talking about her experience here in, in the United States, um, which is obviously different from what you have in Venezuela. I mean, there's a, like two different countries in terms of well the the different rankings that you can find on freedom free, certain liberties that people have. Okay, so it, it's one thing creating a movement, you know. Uh, in the united states asking for reform and uh, it's an it's another thing creating you know a movement in venezuela and asking for uh, reform sometimes you have the experience of you know uh, government crackdown or government trying to uh, co this these movements or you know play around with um, maybe just recruiting the leadership or just trying to destroy this movement so how do you um cope with a movement in an in a an autocratic uh, system, a system that isn't really um, permissive or tolerant of uh, of organisations that are actually critical of, of this the political system.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a good uh, it's a good question. I was just thinking uh, after I answered the question before, like, it's not everything is like a pink color uh, uh, as I explained in the in the part be, uh, before, so of course after the SOS Venezuela, we receive uh, yeah threats from the government. Uh, well, not, right now I am outside the country uh, and I am I am thinking for political asylum. Because, yeah, the repression of the government starts uh, against us, not just against me, but against all of the members of our organization, against uh, our space, our office, you know. Uh, and yes, it's not easy, it's, 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 a, risk. it's a risky <laughs> job, it's, it's, we can say, like a job. Uh, because of course they don't like they don't like people that is uh, you know showing to the world what is happening there. They don't like people that is mobilizing people. Uh, the government is so repressive right now, maybe worse than in 2014, two years ago when we did the the the, the protest. Um, it's a risk, it's a risky, it's a risky work. Uh, and I have many friends that are still be in the country, and still working. And it's a risk. You don't know. It's one day. I mean, every morning I think you woke up, and you don't know if that would be your day to go jail, or you know, or it's, it's, it's you, can, you can still working like free at the street. You know, mm-hmm. with your movement, whatever uh, it is. But to promote democracy, to promote freedom, or against the government. So. I, we don't have I think for example in the case of Venezuela we don't have we just we just work with non violence. We just work with you know, Pacific movement, civil society is and I think the ideas are the kind of arms or you know <laughs> we have to, yeah. like, to fight with to fight with this. But this in, in, in Venezuela for example the government have I don't know really uh, big um, you know, guns. So they, they go against you with everything they have. And um, we just have ideas. We just have, you know, like, yeah, ideas and feelings to, to fight this. And it's a real every day. Uh, I have many friends right now in jail. They are political prisoners. And yeah, it's the cost of, of being activists and it's the cost of, of promoting freedom and democracy. Not just in Venezuela, but also in other countries. But of course, <laughs> I am talking about the Venezuela. So uh, I think in this case, is is wow is uh, the union we can have, you know, among different civil society organizations, the connection we can have with international organization, with international activists, is fundamental to you know to to let them know what is happening there. Or in case we have, you know, any treat, let them know. Hey, can you please help me to, you know, to, to, to raise, to raise this information among the media, among other, other organizations, so the world can know what is happening there. Because sometimes, if we don't get that support, you do know what outside the country would <laughs> think that is happening there. But that is really important. Um, and yeah, it, it's a risk. I mean, I, I I think right now in Venezuela we don't have any way to don't, don't feel it like a risk every day. Because you don't know if you can be the next.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> if, they,
1: if they do it with people that is not related to any movement, to any, you know, organization, just regular people, so all those us that we are activists. We are really, you know, working with people, mobilizing people. That, yeah, of course, we are a target every day. Hmm.
0: It's,
1: um, not just way, it's not way to, you know, to don't be it. Yes. Every kind of regime.
0: That's true. So um, it reminds me of what Erin said about um, movements being long term. You know, change does not really happen um, like overnight. You have to keep on um, uh, fighting for the cause now for me my experience in Cameroon is um, um, with movements actually is this with this campaign that we started um, to um, the vote 18 campaign actually we wanted to get the voting age you know, lowered from uh, 20 to 18 just to be able to permit young people um, younger people to be able to have uh, n- n- the possibility of um, having their voice in the political process and um, yeah, so we conducted a survey in 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 Cameroon in the in the capital city actually, and um, we analyzed we did this analysis, and then we had to we had to negotiate uh, in Parliament, uh, and had the uh, the approval of the president of the National Assembly to be able to uh, make this presentation in in Parliament. Um, from that experience, I actually I know that we we not we are not the only organisation in Cameroon that has um, actually asked for the reduction of the voting age, for example. But uh, something has played out because the other the other the other entities that have asked for the reduction of the voting age have been political parties, sometimes of the opposition, and um, you know sometimes they tend to view these opposition parties you know as ha- holding very extreme. Extreme views from those of the regime. So uh, sometimes cooperating with them to be able to listen to this um, to these proposals is often very difficult. So we sort of um, were seen as uh, a more moderate, more moderate entity that you know was welcome and some sort of neutral um, to be able to drive this uh, this message. So I I one of those lessons that I've learned from this is that. Um, yeah, at some point, at some point, you you just you just need to kind of um, look for strategies that could permit you ne- uh, negotiate with the authorities, with those that have the possibility to be able to drive um, to effect the change that you're asking for. Um, it also Means that you have to, um, you know, sustain and and work with people that you normally wouldn't work with. Um, it means that you have to kind of like mobilize resources, and also go for the long term. I think we we've started this campaign. It's like almost a year now, but it's still ongoing. The laws have not been changed, and we're not we're not giving up either. We have to continue uh, with the campaign. Um, so, actually, I I th- I think from this experience that it's not very Very easy to be able to um, build movements around causes and uh, to be able to have this um, solved. You know, you've you've had like um, the the feminist movement. I mean all the movements that have basically existed for centuries um, or maybe for decades before whatever they were advocating for was uh, eventually passed um, so, uh, but there is, there is something in, that I wanted to ask uh, Christine f- from your experience um, you know when, when people have to come out to the streets and you know talk about difficult issues um, issues that are politically risky Okay, so there are people who might, you know, do a cost-benefit approach or analysis of the situation and weigh the risk and would say, oh, well, there are others who can be able to, you know, go out there and fight for this cause and I'm not going to be involved. So they prefer, um, like, to just free ride and enjoy the benefits from this uh, movements and, the, the, you know, the hard work, the hard level that people will go on the streets and, you know, march for. Uh, or protest for the change that they're advocating for. So, how does it play out? Do you do you um, see um, this phenomenon of free riding um, as a very existent in whenever you develop movements, or people just have this sort of solidarity around the cause and it's you know booming and it's really moving with a lot of impetus? Do you have people who are just like you know standing by and watching and uh, hoping to be able to kind of you know make the best out of what comes out of your, your movement?
2: Yeah, absolutely, it's a great question as well. I think it's quite interesting because how you just described all kinds of things we have experienced before in our student movement, especially for some Sunflower movement happening in two thousand fourteen. So there are all kinds of even parents, grandparents and all kinds of people there they're being against us at the time and as and labeling us as terrorists or mobs on the street and all kinds of dirty words on on us, especially even in mainstream media, like TV channels, like call us mobs, student mobs, or all kinds of terrorist words to us to describe the student activists and also participants in uh, in the movement. So um, I would say our strategy to fight back on these people is to, Kind of, we we try to report everything we done in the movement. Not only the achievement we have, but every live streams. Like we will have live TVs on our. At, um, the suffrage movement is around the Congress to ask for political reforms, especially against the uh, Congress men and women because we have signed uh, unjust unjust. Um, assignment between Taiwan and China so we try to have a political reform by um, by actually getting to the Congress and we kind of control all the Congress and ask to to have to have local people to have the general public to go down all the lines in the assign in agreement to see if it's just or unjust and it's kind of a, a totally re- return to a having the people to have the power again, compared to the only the congressmen and women have the power to go, go to the lines before. So um, we actually took down the building of the Congress. And as you can see, that also many mobs to call us we are terrorists or something. But we tried to go mainstream online and put down every everything we've done. And it's, we, we also ask ourselves to go down democratic decision like we vote. And we go go some meet do the meetings with NGOs and all the professors or all, all the supporters with us. We check out small meetings, also large meeting in Congress and also outside the Congress. So we even have some um, participation, um, like like a deliberation, deliberation democracy on the street. So we have small meetings on the street and to have people to talk about what we, what kind of assi- what kind of agreement we want to have and. At the end, what kind of country, what kind of political parties, what kind of political realities we want to have, and the the environment around the around the Congress and within Congress is friendly, and all kinds of people are welcome to join the welcome to join the dialogue to to see. Of course, there are different ideas and different. Um, identities we will have, but at the end, I think the in the process of of of, um, of discussion will help out to to load down the the different uh, different ideas and all these kinds of attacks around the student. You, and I would say, yeah, the the other strategy we have is just also go online. We are fond of Facebook and all kinds of social medias. And we also have our own online form, uh, discussion forums in Taiwan. And it's anonymous. So you anyone can post your own ideas. And don't have to afraid that the government or other people are targeting targeting you on based on who you are or based on your ideas. Because they can check in down on you. So I think you create a friendly environment to ask people to participate in these kind of
0: dialogues yes. well th- thank you so <laughs> well, much um,
2: and the people in Venezuela
0: yeah so <laughs> I just it's actually I saw Erin um, was was nodding a lot to what you were saying it appears she had a lot of uh, uh, some perspective to throw back to you but um, I know maybe you can just uh, re- respond to um, um, Christine's Comments and and then um, you know give your perspective on this. When you organize movements, you you find sometimes um, people with overlapping, like overlapping affiliations. Outside example of um, like the feminist movement, for example, you know was about women emancipation, but sometimes. Um, what research found was that some, like mostly the married women, for example, were not, never really had the time um, to be able to, you know, or the possibility because of the different affiliations that they had to be able to advocate so strongly for these issues. Um, how has this played out in your experience on the field? Do you have maybe some examples that you can, you can, you can? Um, uh, just share your perspectives with like how multiple affiliations kind of weaken or kind of delay uh, this um, courses that we advocate
3: for Sure I mean I would actually say that first and foremost um, different associations actually strengthen the movement in a lot of ways it's actually more about how you think about it um, as I s- said at the beginning, no movement is The result of one organization or one person or one group. Um, The movements that are successful are those that have been able to effectively engage diverse communities and demographics um, from across the country. So it can't just be in the capital. It can't just be men. Um, And so you know, there's a couple things. One is one of the first things we help organization or we help movements learn is. if you want unity, you actually have to leave your organizational affiliations aside um, and see yourselves and relate to each other as individuals and not as representatives of an organization, um, and see each other as individuals with complex identities. You know, um, we are. Um, I'm. You know, I'm an American and a Westerner, so I have a different amount of power when I go into. Um, when I go to Kenya, but I'm also a woman, right? And so I also have um, less power when I'm amongst a group of men in that situation, especially if you're thinking about your safety, right? So it's, um, and I have the same dynamics here in the U.S. So one of the things that we talk about is actually the concept of intersectionality and um, the concept of which is the concept that multiple systems of oppression actually take place within a society, and so even if you're coming together around um, advocating for democracy, you're also in order to have democracy, you also have to recognize the prevalence of um, that that sexism plays in your community, that um, that racism plays in your community, or um, discrimination based on religion or ethnicity or tribe. Um, or class, um, and so movements are really about helping people to um, not just free themselves of one type of oppression, but free themselves of multiple types of oppression. Um, and that it, if you can't really be successful if you're only going to reinforce some oppressions and in the service of um, one other. Um, so one example of this is... so. One example of this is um, the Kenyans for Tax Justice Movement, which we've worked with. They're um, a group that emerged in 2013 out of um, a, a potentially very damaging tax on basic commodities. And um, when I went to train them last year, you know, they're a group of activists that have many affiliations. Um, some of the core leaders are journalists or members of the Climate Action Um, Network or one of the leading human rights defenders for women's rights, um, some LGBTI activists. And that actually made their movement very strong, um, that type of diversity, because they were all committed and understood how a corrupt tax system affected them and their lives. Um, And even if they weren't able to even necessarily agree with each other or, you know, some people were not um, as accepting of LGBTI people in the group but like accepted them because they had similar perspectives and values around text justice and it's those types of um, groups that help to start break down breaking down some of these affiliations and um, preconceptions about who people are and so to me that's part of the power of movements and um, you know what Christian was saying about you know the diversity of views accepting that you know, there's a diversity of views, Um, there's going to be different opinions and ideas about what should happen, but at least there's dialogue and at least there's vision about building a better country and that through that there's going to be some core values that everyone can kind of pull together. So yes, I think that it can be difficult, but it's only difficult when people see those affiliations um, or multiple identities as barriers rather than as Elements of diversity that are actually really essential to building strong movements.
0: Well, thank, thank, thank you for that, Erin. So I, I just want to throw, um, we're, we're almost getting to the end of our, so we have a couple of more minutes. But um, I just want to say uh, to those who are viewing us, um, you can text, you can actually. Texting your your questions on the on the message panel. I think you can be able to do that. Uh, you can also tweet your questions or uh, to at wymd with the hashtag WYMDLive. live. So, um, Annabelle, I just wanted to ask you about the the the, the sort of why I mean how vast your movement was. It was like something global, um, but then. Some some people have this perspective that there is for movement to really be very uh, vibrant. There is always a need for like physical like uh, coming together. Okay, so so you can you can find like the million the million march that um, you can that took place in New York, like the Occupy movement. People came out in the streets, and this sort of um, builds builds solidarity. But your movement SOS was really effective. Um, I mean, in the diaspora. So I don't know how your how how do you um, what were the experiences like for you to be able to get to mobilise people who were not so physically in touch with uh, one another to be able to you know focus on the same goals and to be able to you know push forward with this with this campaign in spite of the absence of physical uh, physical um, connection.
1: Yes, as, as, as we identified that we want to focus on the international because already in the country was uh, happening. You know, the movement, we had people in the, at the streets, and that is when the violence starts from the government. So, as we decide to focus on the international, we call, uh, we give, we create like a list of, of steps to recommend to these people outside to do it. And the the objective, the focus was to meet, you know, in a public place, and um, and yeah, we 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 have a lot the movement, but you know, little little movements in all the cities, but it was was I think was a key to giving the like these kind of suggestions, instructions. And and said kind of coordinator for each city so then that was that was the person we give the information, we give the instruction we give the okay how' it's happening you know and we yeah through social media we create like groups of people for each city so like people in I don't know in Madrid so Venezuelan people to, SOS in Madrid, Spain. So mm-hmm. we asked people, you know, to Madrid, Spain, for example, just, just an example. Okay, let's just communicate through Facebook in this group to coordinate all the actions, all the activities. So we did that with each city, you know, in the in the yeah, each city we, we had activities. So in the same time we sent all the information to all those groups in the in the different places. But in the country, I think it was in that, and I think that's what's important uh, in the country was people, I mean we were also at the streets in Venezuela at the same time and without that I think this world, you know, movement, little movement in all the cities wouldn't wouldn't work because the importance was that, okay, you know, while people is in the country outside, we are also outside in other cities around the world because the same cause, but without people, is what's happening now. We don't have that huge uh, manifestations at the street in Venezuela because the repression is so big, is so uh, hard. And right now it's more hard to have people outside in these other different cities because we don't have the, the important one for me I say that is in the country, no, because it's too pressured in the country. Um, right now the repression is, you know, is awful. It's, it's the worst in in years. Um, so it's, it's more difficult. We try, for example, I say we oui because I am Venezuelan, but I am not in the country right now, as I told you. But um, these recent days, people was trying to go out the street, and, and the repression was so hard. Even yesterday. The, the government is is really active <laughs> with all kind of you know guns to go against anybody who wants to protest on the streets and well is well is what it is but I think yeah the the key was communication you know clear uh, instructions could be like or suggestion because at the end, they could do whatever they want. They are, you know, far away from us, but we give them clear instruction, communication, and having uh, people outside also in Venezuela, you know, at a street, like to feel that we are a whole movement all around the world, <laughs> supporting what is happening in the country.
0: Wow. Um, so, thank you so much for this for yeah. these perspectives. Um, we will be drawing to the end of our our discussion. But I just want each of you to be able to take a, uh, like a turn to um, just give your views on what you think can be um, the way forward for small groups, you know, who don't have resources. What are the best practices that you can recommend for uh, for small groups that don't have resources but then they have issues that they're really passionate about to be able to um, to, you know, bring about change in their communities. So Erin?
3: Yeah, I'll just say that um, you may be small, but that's really how it starts, is with a few dedicated um, people. And it really has to be more than just one person. It's, you know, you and a couple friends who are really dreaming of something better. but, you know, it, it starts small. Um, but what I would recommend is making sure that you're on the same page about the values that you share, the vision that you want to create, and the commitment that you have to each other in terms of, um, in terms of the actions you want to do and um, when you say you're going to do something that you do it so that you start to really hold each other accountable to, um, to what it is you're doing and you keep the group together that you really look outside of of your small group and think about who else could join us and who else um, has something to offer and I guarantee you that it's many many more people than you ever thought possible Um, so your resource you may not have a lot of financial resources but your resources really do lie in the people um, around you and even beyond that so start small but start organizing and bringing people together and having conversations and um, taking action and, and inspiring other people, um, but the resources you have are with the people around you. Yeah,
1: and, and I have. Uh, sorry, I volume. Yeah.
0: Yes, let me let me come, let me come in also. Yeah.
1: I can I can. Is I, I can add that to that. Uh we didn't I mean the resources for us in that case, for example with the SOS was, you know, Facebook, Twitter, like a computer everybody have in their house, like, you know, and, and communication and ideas. We didn't I mean we didn't send money to bad people, like, okay, <laughs> you know, in you know, are the resources for you to do whatever, like no, we just sent image, so no then couldn't print like okay, I will have, you know, signs or everything whatever they want for, the, for the, the activities, but the resources, yes, are like, you know, what you have, <laughs> you know, like this kind of movement. In, in our case, for example, uh, we didn't have like, a t- because some people asked them before, like, oh, how much money? Like, no, that was not about money or about, you know, <laughs> any other kind of resources, Was just about, okay, having an idea and let's do it and mobilize and, and communicate, you know. We have, as, as Erin said, we have in ourselves the resources we can use for this kind of you know, movement.
0: Thank you, thank you. Let me have uh, the perspective of Christine. So what would you say, Christine, um, to young organizations or young organizers who are so passionate about the, the bringing change in their, in their communities, but they don't have the resources so what, what are some strategies, what are some best practices that you can recommend for groups that are really actually going through some you know, difficult um, problems in their societies, on their communities, and then they want to bring change?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I just want to echo in Erin um, and the is that all kinds of online tools like even using your mobile to tweet or to go on Facebook or any kinds of online resources you can have and just to share your thoughts even even though you didn't have a very clear or, or of your issues or anyways just sh- to share your stories and share your passion to all kinds of your fri- to your friends, to your family and to all people you you have an opportunity to meet to meet. It's it's how you connect with those people. is just to share your passion and to to show them how you really care about this issue and care about your your own community there. And you you can never ever imagine how many resources it can bring to you just by sharing those. Issue by showing the stories. Just um, in some of the movement, you don't even imagine that we can take down the Congress and have so many people around Taiwan. They actually send tents, send food, water, everything to help us to maintain the movement. And actually, we have, we have stayed 24 days just outside the street and really make out the movement to be kind of successful. So you can't ever imagine just by sharing those your experiences or your thoughts whatever just online and people will retweet you will share you on Facebook and even have some just photos and it will really go down to people's minds and thought hey I really care about this movement as well so I want to participate in and we will enroll more more and more people there
0: well kind of resonates with the um what you, you all have been saying about the passion that is necessary for um for social movements to really be able to um have these impetus um and what we all look for is 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 change our movements you know if people are out there on the streets you know pounding the pavement it means that you know what was before isn't perfect and people just want something better, and uh, so I really, on that note, want to thank you all for your your time this morning and your very rich perspectives for this panel. It's very important. I believe that for those who are watching us right now, and I want to thank them, by the way, eh, they have been able to you know, pick up from your experiences, and they can be able to apply some of... Uh, what you've been able to share, you know, in their work, and hopefully, um, by doing this, we are also contributing to help strengthen uh, some of those movements that are out there, you know, struggling for change in their communities. Uh, this will be my last um, online discussion uh, as a Youth fellow uh, at the World Movement for Democracy, and I really want to thank you guys for. Uh, well, you girls, for all the the very, very wonderful uh, perspectives, your your experience is incredible, and you you guys have been really brave. You know, going through difficult um, um processes just to be able to bring change. Um, I'm really, really so so happy and proud that I was able to have you on my panel, and hopefully um, we can be able to co- continue to um, um you know collaborate even after this discussion. You know, to continue to strengthen each other. So thank you all. I want to thank the World Movement for Democracy, and I want to thank uh, the Hufford Foundation for supporting uh, my fellowship and making this possible. Thank you all, and I wish you all the best with your work on promoting social movements and reforms. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you all.